For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And in this latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter, I'm here to tell you that weather sure is complicated. Which is a point worth stressing, because apparently climate is so dead simple that a high school student can learn about it by skipping class, and all voters are meant to lean in to demand that politicians fix it. Until you question orthodoxy, at which point you're liable to be told you're not a climate scientist, so you can't have an opinion. Further to the subject of engineering ignorance, last week we noted an IRPP puff piece on renewable energy that breezed dogmatically past the extremely formidable physical obstacles to massive electrification of major economies driven by non-nuclear renewables. And this week we return to the subject to note how amazingly widespread this dismissive attitude is. We don't just mean once-in-future Canadian Green Party one-woman show Elizabeth May, who tweeted about a recent protest, quote, Thank you, German climate activists. Canadian liquid natural gas is a climate killer. Fracked gas has the same carbon footprint as coal. Bring on green energy. Hashtag with climate emergency, no LNG, renewables, and support Ukraine. With what? Solar-powered anti-tank missiles? Well, Guardian columnist Zoe Williams certainly does. She ridiculed incoming British Prime Minister Liz Truss for thinking that fracking or nuclear could solve the energy crisis instead of depending on more of what caused the crisis in the first place. She actually thinks that, quote, the global energy crisis has sparked conversations that are real, perhaps for the first time, end quote. And then promptly undermines that claim by asserting that, quote, 45% of UK electricity is already from renewables, end quote. And then she says, quote, It would be reasonable to split the energy market into clean power and fossil power so that the price of gas was not setting the price of solar and wind, and the incentive to lean heavily on the latter and reduce consumption of the former became universal, end quote. Which is the exact opposite of what would really happen given the massive subsidies that have been required to bring renewables to their current position of adding enormously to European energy bills without adding much to European energy supply. And then, in a further step in the alarmist's long march away from reality, a publication called Fizz.org peddles yet another conspiracy theory about climate change skeptics. Quote, investigation examines fossil fuel industry influence at elite American universities, end quote. And the finding is that, quote, oil and gas companies have funded research to try to weaken messages on climate change, capture academia, and protect their interests, much like tobacco companies did half a century ago, end quote. Boo! Bad energy companies. And stupid ones too, given the state of academia, especially when it comes to rational debate on climate. Frankly, we suggest that they demand their money back and send it to us. If a serious discussion were possible here, we would ask these intrepid investigative journalists to look into how much money governments have given universities, on the climate file and generally, and then to expose the manner in which this money has influenced research, hiring, and teaching in precisely the direction the politicians and bureaucrats wanted. But of course, government is free of any sort of moral taint, and capitalism is devoid of virtue. At least, that's what most of our professors told us. And speaking of giving away money, outdoor retailing giant Patagonia has famously given the firm away to a trust that will use the profits to fight climate change. And we are all for people putting their money where their mouths are, and for voluntary private charity, and we might add, for voluntary codes of conduct, so please don't put swear words or conspiracy theories in our comment section. But what we don't like is empty virtue signaling. So we very much agree with Dan McTeague, the gas price wizard, who tweeted, quote, Good. Now they can deliver their wares and other products no longer made with any fossil fuels whatsoever by llamas and wooden sailing ships. 
Welcome back to the year 1388, end quote. Okay, we don't totally agree with him because, in fact, people in medieval times were more than familiar with coal as fuel. Marco Polo even mentioned its abundance in China, where it was being burned for industrial purposes 3,000 years ago, and it was known in classical Greece as well. But we do call on Patagonia to renounce the use of fossil fuels in manufacturing, including for making materials, and to renounce its use in distribution before they wag their finger at the rest of us. In the newsletter, we also discuss one of the profoundly anti-scientific aspects of climate alarmism, namely the way that it throws everything into the warming sink. For instance, a story saying, quote, Green crabs have already invaded Washington's shorelines. Now they're headed to Alaska. The discovery, which experts say is likely tied to warming waters because of climate change, threatens Alaskan economies, ecosystems, and long-standing ways of life, end quote. So, Never mind that the green crab already exists in waters from the Baltic to Hawaii and has been discovered to get around by hitching rides and fishing and shipping gear. Or that this thing is old news. As the story does blurt out at one point, quote, The European green crab has been a pest in American waters for some 200 years, but it remained an East Coast-only menace until the late 1980s when it was discovered in San Francisco Bay, likely transported by humans in bait or in packaging, end quote. So, it wasn't warming that got it to chilly San Francisco from tropical Maine, was it? Nor was it warming that caused the crabs to start spewing larvae into Pacific Ocean currents and then spread along the West Coast, as it typically spreads along any coast. Instead, quote, like many invasive species, green crabs are likely benefiting from climate change, which often facilitates invasions, end quote. And sure, as climate changes, you'd expect species to move to adapt, but there's no reason to expect warming to replace critters more than cooling. Plus, if journalists had the internet on their computers, they could Google green crab and discover that Carcinus minus is at home in pretty much any temperature from 0 to 30 degrees Celsius, 32 to 86 Fahrenheit, and, quote, is native to European and North African coasts as far as the Baltic Sea in the east and Iceland and central Norway in the north, end quote. Iceland? Norway? The Baltic? Yes, but not the warm Mediterranean, and it doesn't flourish in places like Brazil, Panama, Madagascar, or Sri Lanka. So maybe warmth isn't really its thing? Still, to a journalist with a crab mallet, everything looks like a warming crab. Also on the subject of widespread error, we present another in our Everybody Knows series. For instance, if you live in Canada, everybody knows your country is warming faster than the global average. But the same thing is true if you live in China, or anywhere in Europe, or in Russia, Singapore, Japan, West Asia, Karachi, the Arctic, Prince George, the Netherlands, the Adirondacks, or Antarctica. So how is such a thing possible? The explanation is simpler than you might expect, and it doesn't mean what everybody knows it means. Basically, it turns out that the Earth's surface is 70% ocean, and whenever a warming trend occurs, regardless of cause, whether it's man-made or natural, the land surface warms faster than the ocean because of the ocean's greater ability to absorb heat. And since every country is on land, no angry letters from Atlantis, please, and since the global average includes the oceans, it means that every country is warming faster than the global average. And another point here, polar regions warm faster than non-polar ones, so countries like Canada and Russia get a further boost from where they sit on the Earth's surface. It has nothing to do with how much greenhouse gas they emit, nor does it have anything to do with a supposedly negative impact if it happens to become less chilly in Siberia. Now, if you live in a country that's warming faster than the global average, you should be relieved, because it means you're not completely at sea. 
unlike gullible reporters who swallow alarmist propaganda about how your home is warming faster than the global average. And another thing. We recently reported on the IPCC's new map-based atlas that shows compilations of research on historical trends in all manner of climate data, including extreme weather. Since politicians and journalists rush to blame any wind-related events such as tornadoes or severe thunderstorms on climate change, we figured there must be an entry in the IPCC atlas on them as well. And there is. Their map of the world shows that severe windstorms have been observed to be getting worse nowhere. No, really, here's the map. As you can see from the legend at the bottom, yellow means a downward trend, purple means an upward trend, and who cares, because there's no color at all on the map. And despite the tendency of models to overhype disasters, their map of future projections with respect to windstorms shows that most places aren't expected to experience a change there either. So there's another climate myth blown away. Finally, from the CO2Science.org archive, we present a paper from Geophysical Research Letters back in 2014 on the claim that warming causes cooling. The specific focus was the polar vortex that hit the U.S. that January and was widely blamed on man-made CO2. But it turns out that it wasn't unusual compared to American weather in January, dating from 1948. So once again, the alarmists weren't giving the wrong explanation for an unusual event that really happened. They were explaining why something unusual had happened when it hadn't. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I know hot air from cool-headed analysis.